podcast 116, entitled Wing Thing, begins with a fairly lengthy excerpt from the soundtrack composed by Akira Ifukube for the 1959 Japanese film Battle in Outer Space. And the extract is the track Battle in Outer Space. This particular prelude, which is five minutes long, and I hope you'll feel very happy to skip once you get the gist of it, is a frenetic summation of meaningless, futile, repetitive, constrained action that even in the movie accomplishes almost nothing, but in a sense in its hysteria sums up the dismantling of life which precedes what I have to say about death again in podcast 116.
Now that music just completely cracks me up. I just think it's wonderful. And I hope you skip most of it. But um, without getting a discussion of this remarkable and for me, much admired movie, Battle in Outer Space. That music conveys the, as I said before, the frenetic fever of people just moving around ridiculously. There's a great moment in ancient history, which I've spoken of before, when Diogenes, the Cynic philosopher and the founder of the Cynic school in Hellenistic uh, Greek thought, when faced being in Thebes as he was with the siege of the city of Thebes, he began, as everyone around him was rapidly and uh, with tremendous hysteria, trying to dig trenches to defeat an enemy which was absolutely unconquerable. And there was no way in a million years, humanly speaking, that such an enemy could be defeated by the paltry last-minute efforts of the Theban population. He began to roll a large rock up one of the trench walls and then let it fall back down, then roll it up to the top, sort of like uh, Sisyphus, you know, but consciously and intentionally let it roll back down. And after doing this five or six times, someone asked him and said, Diogenes, what in the world are you doing? We need your help. Why are you doing this absurd and ridiculous rock rolling uh, charade in front of us? And he said, um, well, I'm just doing it because I want you all to see how ridiculous you all look. And um, we owe Diogenes something, and we owe Akira Ifukube, who, by the way, did the recording of the music for Godzilla, and I think several of the Godzilla movies, if I'm not mistaken, and also Mothra. Oh, but in any event, uh, put that aside, it's Diogenes' music. And uh, one of the things you just have to understand is that life is this way, and the rolling up a log is deeper than simply purposeless activity. It really goes down to the meaninglessness and the purposelessness, or shall I say the repetitive um, sort of throttled negativity of waking up with your same being every morning. I mean, that's really what it's about. You, you, you wake up every morning and you have to deal with, in my case, quote, Paul Zoll, end of quote, or in your case, you, or whoever else you have to deal with, but primarily the number one repetitive, repetitive part of it, that Diogenes' very great sermon illustration enacted by himself declares, is that this is really what we're doing. We're sort of rolling our own rock, the rock of self, up the hill, and it always keeps come tumbling down with all its terrible negativities and problems. And there we are looking at it again in the trench and having to do the same thing tomorrow. And it's really a, a tremendously absorbing and finally defeating um, kind of mirror. And this is why the music is so good and why what I often say in the podcast is simply the case. And one of the things that I've observed that partly led to the creation of this cast and I'm going to try to give what I think is sort of the antidote to it, is my encounter with all sorts of older people in recent times, people I know, especially people in parishes, sometimes the parents of people to whom I've ministered who are now very old and facing death or the repetitive bitterness of an old age lived in the past and often uh, characterized by a still-alive villa and will to assert to even dominate and control, which you find even in 80-year-olds. And uh, I see it in people I know. I see it in their parents. I see it in people who are now almost 
my age. I see it myself, needless to say, although I'm not quite at the vintage. But when I see it in older people who, in a sense, really ought to know better, because you'd think that by a certain time, the... Uh, the exercise of rolling your head up the up the hill and seeing it come down and having to look at this uh, decapitated head once again every morning who has been defeated by the same old inner compunctions and um, drives and circumstantial problems. And you say to yourself, my gosh, can I do it one more time? But I see, don't you? I see a lot of people who are still doing it, who, as it were, Ought to know better. I was, um, someone was on the phone, oh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I found myself saying to Mary, you know, it's very interesting talking to her because nothing, and it's no, no, no relative of mine, someone I know distantly <clears throat> through a ministry somewhere long ago in a galaxy far, far away. And I said, you know, that person is now well away in years and doesn't show absolutely any signs of softening. Not a an iota of difference. It's still the same old worldly person masquerading often with a lot of sort of Christian language or religious speak. But it's the same old, very worldly, highly defended, correctly right person. And I said, oh, my gosh. Well, it makes me wonder. It, some, it makes me wonder, 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 wonder what gives. But let's just say it's true. But... Listen, let it not be true for you. I hope it's becoming less true for me. You see, what life really is about, it's, it's really a, an x-ray. Uh, experience of life is an x-ray in which you actually see what you, what you really are. And it's a little like, I want to use an analogy from the great film, War of the Worlds, from the late 50s, the original version that was directed by Byron Haskin and starred Gene Barry and, uh, oh... Ann Robinson. I have a lobby card signed by Ann Robinson in a downstairs loo here. It's a great, precious treasure to me. But in uh, that, you may remember the scene when the alien tripods or machines, as they're called, are on the move for the first time. And the U.S. Army can do nothing against them because they have kind of a, of a plastic bowls almost over them, protecting them from any missiles or bombs that we can lob their way. Nothing can get them, but they have this kind of hissing green ray that's brilliantly de depicted in elementary special effects that really work. And the ray comes, but when it hits the servicemen, it hits people, um, it, it grills them such that the you see their skeleton. You see the poor uh, colonel's or sergeant's skeleton in green, illuminated by the hissing green weights. And his clothes and his body is sort of uh, melted away. And all you see is the skeleton, which kind of zzzz, and then it kind of disappears and collapses. And so uh, the ray reveals that all you have is a skeleton. And then the body tissue around it collapses. And it's very frightening, even though it's very ancient in terms of movie history. It's wonderful. Well, this is actually what has to happen. I've had a rather close-to-home illustration of this recently in my own life. I decided after a, uh, um, an experience of uh, my own body looking at it in some photographs that were taken at the New Orleans Jazz Festival and in the context of an old friend who had done brilliantly with loss of weight in his own case, 
I decided to lose some weight and I have actually lost, um, it turns out something close to 40 pounds. It's a very happy thing for me. But one of the things about it is you, you focus, if you're a man, you, 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 the whole point of the diet is to work on your paunch at my age, this paunch and it, 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 it the body now looks, this paunch is still a little bit there, but from the paunch up and from the paunch down to my toes, I really do look like of, of, of someone who survived Andersonville. I look like um, one of those Matthew Brady photographs that was taken in 1865 of these poor, poor men, Union uh, POWs, uh, who had been captured uh, and put in this horrible place, Andersonville Prison, and they emerged looking like skeletons. They, they, they had no bone. They were all bone. There was literally nothing there. You've seen it in other great historical tragedies and uh, terrible atrocities and in a way, someone said, you know, Paul, it's all right already, chemo chic, you know. But but I looked at myself and I realized that, you know, the, the, the bones are sticking out, the ribs are sticking out, the, the paunch is still not entirely finished, but the but the bones and the wrists and the ribs and the kind of, um, what is it down there by the pelvis and uh, uh, the, the knees at night, f- 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 I feel like a skeleton. And it's kind of, it's just like the world, War of the Worlds guy. And, um, and someone said, you know, you really better, you, you look like, all the meat you have is on, on those bones is kind of gristle. You better do some push-ups. Well, I'm attempting that, but that's not your affair. But anyway, I'm doing a little bit of that to try to build up a little bit of body tissue with the skeleton. But, you know, that's really what, it's kind of a presaging of death. I thought of all those 17th century pictures that I talked to you about. I went to the Met once and w- was able to order a photograph by Ludger Tom Ring, who was a wonderful German artist in the Reformation period, and he painted terrific portraits of, of sort of early modern, but actually were early Lutheran, early Protestant families of the squirearchy in uh, northern Germany. Ludger Tom Ring. <clears throat> Sounds like a person in the Star Wars cantina sequence, but Ludger Tom Ring. Uh, in all these pictures, there's always a skull. Now, you've seen them in many, not just Protestant pictures of the uh, 17th and uh, 16th centuries, but there there's always a skull. And I think of myself now when I turn around in bed and I feel my kneecaps. Uh, That's exactly right. Death, uh, which is simply... The the, the skeleton is what you see when you listen to the music of Akira uh, Ifukube. And that's exactly what this podcast is about. Because when you you take it all away, that's what it's all going to be. And even that's going to crumble to dust, as we know, in those wonderful ossuaries from first century Jerusalem Museum. You know, Caiaphas' bones. Do you you realize that they're in an ossuary in the Jerusalem Museum? I think it's Annas. I think it's actually Caiaphas. It's a remarkable discovery. It's in the what I call the New Testament corner of the Hebrew Museum, the great Hebrew Museum where the Dead Sea Scrolls are. It has kind of a corner from the time of Christ and among them is the ossuary of Caiaphas, and it's well attested, but that's you and me, and these bones is what it's all about. And uh, when you realize that that's really where it's going, and that's what it is, there's no defending all this ego. There's no defending all this. It's all ridiculous. All this uh, need to still uh, hold on to these tremendously compensatory ideas you have about yourself, it's all got to go. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, whom I admire very much, and I'm going to finish with a, this. Is going to be short today, but I'm going to finish with an illustration, hopefully, to take you from the bones to the wing. Uh, my friend Hughes Hull, who is um, uh, someone whom I admire very much and I love, 
recently remembered, recalled to me a line from John Badham's Hollywood movie from 1983 or 84 called War Games. And in it, the character Joshua says um, at one point, and it's a line that some remember, the only winning move is not to play. It's a line in War Games. The only winning move is not to play. Well, that's what I've... You could almost say that's the arc of both the new and the old. Certainly it's the arc that uh, the, the, the arc of the, the old podcast, which connects with the arc of the new. And when you take seriously what Hughes has said, because Hughes himself understands this, and um, the, the only winning move is not to play, well, then, then you realize that, that that body that got fried by the Martians in War of the Worlds is really... Is really nothing. It's really just a, a carcass. Have what is it? Have his carcase, by Dorothy Sayers, the Peter Whimsy, uh, Lord Peter Whimsy, Mister. Have his carcase. You know, have your carcase. I mean, just 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 think about it for a minute. Seriously, just the carcase, the carcass, and uh, remember that it's really uh, to dust. Dust you are, and to dust shalt thou return. I have been telling people this at Good Friday. Uh, sorry, um, Ash Wednesday services for so many years not doing the, um, I, I so resented having to be in the situation of doing ashes, but I was, and I had to do it, but I don't believe in it, but I do believe in the underlying substance of it, that ashes we are and to dust we shall return. And when you realize that, then, you know, the funny thing is things happen. Things happen. I think I told you last time in the episode 115, which was entitled in the event of the moment I told Mary, uh, to the effect that um, this was, um, I had nothing to say. I, I had simply nothing left to say in a podcast. At that exact moment, I received something to say. At that exact moment. It's at the exact moment that you get, sort of line yourself up, that you fit with the um, X-rayed uh, poor sergeant in War of the Worlds when you actually see that that's all there is. And uh, dust thou art and dust thou showered. Return. I've had a vivid illustration in this diet, God knows. Then you see that the possibility of life is really everything, because the 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 that which you breathing. You know, when I breathe, I'm sure you hear me when I listen back to these podcasts. It's like I, I I'm kind of I, I I breathe and out it comes. Whatever I have to say, in fact, is is coming. I, I have no notes here. It's it's coming entirely, as it were, spontaneously. Well, not as it were. It actually is coming spontaneously. Whatever I'm now going to say, I have not decided to say. And it's coming out. And it's really the wing thing. It's it's the wing thing. And it's the um, the really the true being. Brennan Manning, Manning talks about it in a recent book that David Zoll has recommended. And. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're old or you're young, especially when you're old. It doesn't really matter because you understand about War of the Worlds. You understand about uh, Ifukube's frenetic nothingness, which is so extreme and so marvelous and at the same time so utterly uh, deconstructing in his short five-minute um, riff, Battle in Outer Space, with those amazing uh, repeated uh, piano notes. I think there's seven of them twice. And you realize as soon as you see this that you have absolutely nothing to give. And yet, at that very moment, you have everything to give. You see, this is the moment when you're going to discover what next to do in your life. This is the moment when you're going to discover how to love the person who you live with who's hard for you. This is the moment where you're going to find a new kind of project. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen right now. And I'm going to let uh, Raymond Scott sort of give you the sequel to Death Resurrection, as my friend Mills Fleming 
has seized upon the wonderful words from Moltmann, that the paradigm is always death resurrection. And I'm going to give you a symbolic and to me delightful summation of that in Raymond Scott's 1962-63-64 music for Gilbert Toys and You and Me. The wing thing. The wing thing. It's the wing thing from Gilbert. This is the only genuine replica of the wing astronauts will use for re-entry from space. Start this powerful thunderhead engine and the wing thing takes off like a plane the very first time you try it. It climbs like an eagle. Even after the motor cuts out, it continues to soar, to dive, and to glide. The wing thing. The wing thing from Gilbert. It flies the very first time you try it, even if you've never flown before. Tough and rugged, the easiest thing in the sky to fly. Control it yourself or fly it free flight. It's the wing thing. The wing thing from Gilbert. Look at Gilbert toys first. They last. <laughs> 